and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life in excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email him at eric.anderson at nllutheran.com. Let's get growing. scripture this morning comes from the sixth chapter of the gospel of John, beginning in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to the me unless the, drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, True, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came, that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, last week we started a sermon series called Infinite God, Finite Man. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring um, some kind of hard teachings of the Christian faith, uh, some things that just don't make sense to us as humans. And God has revealed himself to us. um, And we realize very quickly that God is an amazing, infinite God that is well beyond anything that we can imagine. And so we're looking at these teachings about how God comes to us, how he speaks to us, how he works on us in ways that really don't make a whole lot of sense 
to us. We started last week, so if you want to go back and listen on our podcast or um, on our website, you can. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about a gift. Uh, and this is a gift that's a very good gift, um, but it's kind of annoying. <laughs> it's kind of an annoying gift. Maybe you guys have received a gift like this. Something that's very nice of someone to do, but then it kind of makes more work for you, right? Maybe you have um, in-laws or in, your in-laws come to town or your, you know, your kids come to town and they wash dishes for you, which is a very nice gift, but then they put the serving spoons in the wrong drawer and then you can't find them, right? Has that ever happened to you? Or maybe your spouse washes your clothes for you, which is a really nice thing, but maybe they wash that shirt that really shouldn't have been washed and now it gets donated to Salvation Army, Right? Or maybe your in-laws come to town and your in-laws very graciously wash your clothes for you, but they don't quite fold them just right, and so then they don't fit right and you can't find anything, right? The gift, that is kind of annoying, and I won't say that that's ever happened to me, right? It never has ever happened to me. But sometimes you get a gift that is a little bit of work, right? It causes you more work sometimes, and today we're going to be talking about a gift like that, something God has given us that can kind of be bothersome sometimes, Because we don't get it. We don't understand it. We have a hard time wrapping our heads around it. And that gift is communion. That's what we're talking about today, is communion. And we're reading a story out of um, the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John is a fantastic gospel. um, And it's written, it's the latest of the four gospels. Um, And so it's John, one of Jesus' disciples, looking back. He's a pastor of several churches, and he's looking back at Jesus. And he's uh, the stories that he's told about Jesus that he's uh, shared, and they've shared uh, with the other disciples, and the disciples have been telling about Jesus. He looks back now as a pastor, and he sees, oh my goodness... Jesus said this, and that connects to how we do things here. And so he, you know, he like writes what Jesus says. He spends more time um, recording what Jesus actually taught and said um, than the other gospels. The gospels were written a little bit earlier, and they were a little bit more evangelistic in tone. So they were trying to convince. They were trying to uh, get stories out there as quickly as they could. John is kind of looking back after several years, and he's saying, he's talking to the other disciples, and he's saying, Jesus did say that. He did say this, and that makes sense that now we do X, Y, and Z. So this John 6 passage seems very strange if it's read outside of thinking about communion. But it's totally appropriate for us to think about communion when we read John 6. Because John is looking back and he says, Jesus did say that. And so he writes it down, he records it for the church. The Gospel of John is written for the church. And as you may have noticed, this is a very long reading. It's, and this is classic, uh, how John uh, records Jesus' uh, teachings. They're very long. We get, a much more, we get much more insight into how Jesus had conversations with people. And apparently it, he was very confusing and also very provocative was apparently how he did it, which I think is great. I'm really glad that Jesus was like that because in that gives me an excuse to be provocative sometimes. So I, I take that when I can. So Jesus spends a lot of time teaching. And what we see in this John 6 passage is that there are kind of uh, three paragraphs of teaching that Jesus gives. He gives a teaching and he says, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And the, and the, the Jews, the leaders say, wait a second, Jesus, you, what do you mean you came down from heaven? 
And then he kind of doubles down. He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You must eat of this bread in order to have eternal life. And the bread from heaven is my flesh. And they're like, wait a second, Jesus. You're telling me we have to be cannibals? And then he says, if, unless you eat my body, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. So he kind of doubles down and triples down on what he says. But there's three primary teachings, and then there's kind of this, the leaders, the Jews, they have this confusion in between. So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, I, what I've done is I've condensed the paragraphs down to about two sentences each. Um, I've pulled out some of the, the highlights of what he said. And so there's lots of repetition in how he responds to them, and it's very poetic. If you have a few years, just read the Gospel of John like every month for a year or two, and you'll start to like understand its complexity. It's very, very complex. It's very uh, uh, circular, and it's it's a great. It's I love it. It's my favorite gospel, um, and it was very important to me uh, early on as a pastor reading John over and over and over and over again. So I invite you to do that. Um, but for our teaching today, we're going to kind of condense what Jesus says and get the highlights so we understand what Jesus is doing here. And right before this teaching, Jesus actually feeds the 5,000. There are 5,000 men plus their wives and children. So maybe, you know, 15,000 people were following Jesus and he fed them all with just a few loaves and a few fish. And it was this miraculous thing. And then they begin to follow him and they begin to pester him. And they say, Jesus, show us a sign. If you really are a prophet, show us a sign like Moses brought manna down from heaven to the Israelites. You guys probably know that story. And then this is how Jesus responds. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. They say, Jesus, show us a sign like, like Moses brought manna from heaven. Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I have come down from heaven to do the will of my father. This is indeed the will of my father, that all who see the son and believe in him may have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. Now, before we move any further, it's important to understand that many Jews at this time, in fact, probably most Jews at this time, did not believe in an afterlife. They thought when you were dead, you were dead. And what God did for you, the blessings that he gave you were in this life. So if you had a large family with lots of kids, lots of adult children, you had financial security. If you had a large extended family, that's how you had financial security and you knew that your name was going to be passed down from generation to generation. So the thinking was, if I obey the laws, if I obey the commands of God, if I do the right sacrifices and do the right good works, God will bless me with a large family. He'll bless me with wealth. And then when I die, I can die in peace, knowing that my legacy will be passed on. There are very few, there were some, uh, but there are very few Jews that believed in some sort of resurrection of the dead or some sort of afterlife experience. So they, he says here that all who see the son and believe in him may have eternal life and that they will be raised up. They will be resurrected. So he says something that's pretty scandalous to them, but he actually said something before this that was even more scandalous. He says, this last line, I have come down from heaven to do the will of my father. And so the Jews respond. The, the Jews are the Jewish leaders. That's what we can read here. Then the Jews began to complain about him saying, um, it's because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And they say, wait a second, Jesus, we know that you're from Nazareth. We know Joseph and Mary. 
We know that you're a human person. How can you say that you have come down from heaven? Because even more offensive to the Jewish mind than some sort of afterlife or resurrection was the fact that God would come down to you. In fact, the Jews at this time, um, there was an Old Testament story of Jacob. Maybe you've heard it. He has this dream where the heavens open up and there's this ladder or a staircase that goes up to heaven. And then the angels of heaven are ascending and descending the staircase. So yes, it's a stairway to heaven, right? You can insert a Led Zeppelin uh, quote here. So there's a staircase, a stairway to heaven. And the angels are going up and down the stairway to heaven. And... um, And the Jews then uh, took that image and they said, that stairway is actually for humans. It's for us to climb. That ladder is for us to climb. And by our good works, by giving our money, by doing the right sacrifices, we climb up to heaven and God gives us the blessings of a large family and wealth. That was how they understood it. If I obey the laws, if I do the right sacrifices, I will climb up the stairway to heaven. And if I sin, I will climb back down. That was a pretty popular interpretation of that passage. And so Jesus here scandals them because he says, you don't climb a ladder to heaven. I have come down to you. I have come down to you. And the Jewish leaders would have had no uh, concept of this. They would have had no category for a God who comes down to them. Because to them, um, God was kind of like Zeus or Thor. A God who was far away, who needed to be appeased. Who needed to be honored so that I could have good things. And they believed in climbing this staircase, climbing this ladder up to heaven. And Jesus says, you need to put the ladders away. You can't climb up to me. I have come down to you. And he scandalizes them. Now at this point, any good teacher, any teacher who was worth his salt, would have backed up and said, now let me clarify, since you really don't understand what I'm saying. Let me make it more clear. But Jesus, because he is just so great, doesn't do that. He answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. So he says, not only have I come down to you, but you can't even look upon me and believe in me without the Father doing a work in you. <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even want to want me. right? My, my Father does that to you. That's a gift. I have come down to you, and God has already given you a gift to look at me and to believe in me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. He doubles down. He doesn't clarify. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And then he makes it even more confusing. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the Jews respond as we should all respond. They disputed amongst themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Do you want us to be cannibals, Jesus? Is that what you're asking? And the Lutheran response um, is kind of yes and no, right? Uh, many of you have not, uh, may not have grown up in the Lutheran church. Some of you have. Um, some of you may not be familiar with how we understand communion. Um, but here we believe that Jesus is actually telling us to eat his body and drink his blood. And so later in the Gospels, when, um, or yeah, later in the Gospels, when Jesus uh, does the Last Supper and he gives thanks and he breaks the bread and he gives it to his disciples and he says, this is my body, what he was referencing is this teaching. This is my body, 
Not, this represents my body. Not, this is like my body. This is my body. And then he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. Now we believe you put that bread and that wine under the microscope, it's still going to be bread and it's still going to be wine. Right? So we would differ from the Roman Catholic view that would say you put that bread under the microscope, it's actually a body. It's actually flesh. So we would disagree with that. You put that bread under the microscope, it's still bread. But Jesus has done something here where he's given us a statement. This is my body. And then he said, er, then he said earlier in a teaching, he said, if unless you eat my flesh, you do not have life in you. Then he doubles down again. They're all confused. Does he want us to be cannibals? Again, any good teacher this time would step back and say, let me clarify. This represents my body. My flesh is like bread. But he doesn't clarify. He doubles down again. So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. He doesn't clarify. He doubles down. He does not leave room for interpretation. And so John later, as he's a pastor, and we know that the first 200 years of Christianity, the disciples or the the church took communion every week. And unless you were a heretic, there were some heretics who did not believe this, um, but all Orthodox Christians believed that when they received the bread and received the wine, they were actually receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that he was really very present in the bread as I ate it, and he was really very present in the wine as I drank it. Everyone, the first 200 years of Christianity, believed this. And so John, in the midst of these churches that believed that this was the body and blood of Jesus Christ, John, in the midst of being a pastor of these churches that took communion at least every week, if not more, looks back and says, Jesus did say this. He did teach this. And we can guess that John oftentimes taught this passage to his congregations. That Jesus says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And if you eat my body and drink my blood, then I abide in you and you abide in me. So now I know um, some of you come from diverse backgrounds. We're not all um, Lutherans here. And you may be thinking, Pastor, I simply cannot believe, I simply cannot believe that God would use a physical thing to give spiritual blessings. I simply cannot buy into that. It seems cultic. It seems, it seems Catholic. It seems dangerous. I know what you're thinking, especially those of you who did not grow up in a Lutheran background. I know what you're thinking. Pastor, there's simply no way that God uses physical things to give spiritual blessings. But here's my response to you. If you are a Christian, you have your faith in Jesus Christ, right? Which means you have your faith in a particular Jewish body that bled particular Jewish blood on a particular wooden Roman cross on a particular hill outside of Jerusalem on a particular Friday afternoon. Hmm? You already believe that God bestows spiritual blessings by physical means because your faith is in Jesus Christ. 
He's already given you eternal life by a physical thing. He has. And in fact, if we look back in scripture, we see that God always has used physical things to bestow spiritual blessings. We do not have a white collar God that steps back. He is not like Thor or Zeus and says, you go do this and you go do that. He rolls up his sleeve and he draws, he molds the dirt and then he breathes his breath into the dirt and he creates a human. And then he puts that human in a garden and he fills the garden with all these good fruits and vegetables. And then he puts the tree of life in the center of the garden. And next to the tree of life, he puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, if you eat of the tree of life, which you can, you will have eternal life. If you eat of the fruit you will have eternal life. And then he says, if you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And Adam and Eve, become they get tempted. And in fact, they eat the fruit. A physical thing, they eat it. And sin, rebellion, and consequences enter into the world because of a physical action. And then later in scripture, God calls a particular physical human being, Abraham, to be the father, the grandfather, the great-great-grandfather of the coming Messiah who would crush the snake, who would reverse all the bad things, who would make all the sad things come untrue. So he calls one particular Abraham and his particular seed that is grows into a family. He brings that family up to bring out the blessings to the whole world. In the Old Testament, God uses rocks. He uses water. He uses all sorts of physical things to give spiritual blessings. He rolls up his sleeves and he uses his creation to give physical blessings. And then he did it in Jesus Christ. You already believe this. So if God did it then, why would he stop doing it? And in fact, if you think about it even more, it makes even more sense because God uses a particular physical tongue to proclaim the gospel to each other, right? As you evangelize and proclaim your faith to your brothers and sisters and neighbors and friends, your physical tongue is being used to bring someone to faith. Why would we stop there? So now God uses water in baptism to bring us to life. And he uses bread and he uses wine to give us the salvation, to give us forgiveness of sin, to give us eternal life and to give us life. He's always used physical things. This isn't scary. It isn't cultic. It's weird. (laughs) It's strange. We don't quite understand it. We can't wrap our head around it. And if I were creating a religion, it's certainly not the way that I would create a religion, right? It's certainly not the way that I would do it. So this is what we see here. An infinite God says... I come to you. Finite man says we go to God. We try to fit God into our little boxes, our little intellectual boxes. Well, God doesn't use physical things to produce spiritual blessings. God can't actually both be, um, Jesus can't both be in heaven and in the bread and the wine. We simply can't believe it. We try to put God into a little box. And God says, put the ladder away. Stop trying to do it yourself. I've come to you. And praise God for it. It's a gift. It's a gift to us. We don't quite understand it. We don't know why he's doing it. And so it's a little bit like um, your wife coming to you and saying, hey, give me a kiss. 
You don't say, don't tell me what to do. Why are you asking me for a kiss? No. You pucker up and you lay one on her, right? Your wife asks you, your wife commands, give me a kiss. You do it because you get benefit. You get the benefit from that, right? And so this is what Jesus does for us. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And we can either say, don't tell me what to do, Jesus. I don't understand why you're doing this. Or we can say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And receive the gift that he's given us. And thank God that he's given it to us. Because I don't know about you, but my faith is pretty shaky sometimes. In fact, my faith is pretty shaky most of the time. I have a hard time believing in a God who loves me. But Jesus says, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. And I can go to communion and I can say, Jesus, I don't understand it. I don't know why you're doing it this way, but you have told me if I eat this bread and drink this wine, you abide in me and I abide in you. I don't feel it right now. I don't feel good about my faith right now, but I am, I am trusting in you, Jesus, because this is what you've said. This is my body. This is my blood. If you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then I am with you and you are with me. Thank God for such a great gift. That in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our doubt, we can point to this thing and say, I don't know what I believe, but I trust Jesus' words. And so I'm going to cling to this gift. I want to say, yes, Lord, I accept this gift. I don't know how it works. I don't know why you do it this way, but I'm receiving it because you've told me to. Isn't that a great gift? We have brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ their whole understanding of their relationship with God is based on their decision to believe in him. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> I, don't, I, you know, I don't believe in God sometimes, right? But I trust in Jesus. I trust his words. I trust the gospels. And I trust that when Jesus says, this is my body, he means it. It's a great gift that God has come down to us. It's a great gift that he has come to us when we are weak. The invitation is to receive the gift. Stop trying to climb the ladders. Stop trying to create the stairs. Receive what God is doing for you. The forgiveness of sin and life eternal through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And the truth will come. We'll come eventually